Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of the Nerd Stash Presents The Long Box Hunters. I am your host, Tristan Benz. Joining me, as always, is my friendly neighborhood co-host, Drew Garrison. Drew, how you feeling today, King? I am excited. I am so glad you made me read this. Oh, man, I can't wait. Well, I'm glad, I tell you what, I'm glad that you are, in fact, excited and not feeling, um, how should we say, blue? <laughs> That's a joke, everybody, because if you read the title of this episode, we're talking about Spider-Man Blue. But, before we get into that, Drew, I gotta know, what have you, what comics have you been reading, aside from, you know, this week's required reading? Aside from Spider-Man Blue, what's been tickling your fancy, as it were? Well, I've been reading Thor. Like, that has been my continuous gotta You're still get, on that Thor on kick? That. Oh, I'm still on that Thor kick. Uh, they're doing some stuff with my boy Thanos in that one, but I'm more excited seeing how my boy Thor is doing. And uh, they brought back a character I did not think that they were go- ever going to touch again, but hey, comics can surprise you. That they can, that they can. Yeah, Thor's grandpappy is back. Are they bringing back Boar? Like he's not like back back, but he's but, like. But but we're getting we're getting a little bore action. We're getting bore action, and it's a pretty and it's pretty cool. It's like I it's like when Boar first showed up, I'm like Jesus, this guy is a war tank, and now it's like oh he's actually done some other stuff in his life. He is not just war tank. Uh, god, he's, he's not just committing godly war crimes like Odin. Uh no, uh he's also cre- he's also like out there creating cosmic uh uh cosmic. Eff- what is it called? Cosmic Heresy. There we go. Cosmic Heresy. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So it just it just runs in the family, you know? It runs in, in that specific bloodline. Uh, I myself have not been reading Thor, I'm sorry to say. Uh, not that sorry, because I'm cheap. And just, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Just the, the current Thor stuff hadn't really been been doing it for me too much. It's not this bad. It's just... And I'm, it's rare that I get a, a single issue, uh, that I, that I subscribe to a Thor series. But what I have been reading is James Robinson's Starman. And boy, let me tell you, that's some good shit. That is some, it, it was out of this world, even. I'm almost done. Uh, I, I have the two compendiums. I've, I've finished the first one. I paused, uh, to, you know reread spider-man blue for this episode and now i'm back diving deep into the second compendium which will complete the series and it also features the shade miniseries from the start of the new 52 and a few other uh, anecdotal uh, returns of james robinson's to the starman franchise but i am very much looking forward to seeing where that wraps up I had no idea we could say old stuff, because if so, I would have been talking about the thing I'm reading right now. Well, yeah, I said, what have you been reading in your personal life? You know, just in, not aside from this, you know, the, this week's topic. What are, you, what are you reading, you know? Oh, okay. Well, I'll make sure to... Learn to listen, Drew. Open your ears, bro. <laughs> well, what are you reading? You sounded like you were going oh, oh, oh. to say something. Talk. Uh, say your words. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, I Can't didn't have know dead I air, Drew. Come on. I, I, I didn't know. Uh, I'm reading the 25th anniversary of Batman Nightfall. Mmm. Get a little, get a little Bane, little Bane action. Oh yeah, he's another, he's another one of the characters. I'm like, okay, your introduction was just goddamn fire. It was it amazing. Was, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Like it's, 
I'm hard pressed to think of a Batman villain that has had a better introduction. And honestly, it seems like most of the writers of Bane could agree because arguably, I wouldn't say he's necessarily been downhill since, uh, since then, but it's a similar effect that Doomsday suffers from where it's like, okay, every subsequent appearance, it's most of the time it's like, okay, what do we do with this character? Yeah, I think I think that's mostly the problem of okay, so we finally have the character be- beating him and everything. Well, actually, it took Batman years before he could actually beat Bane one on one like he wanted. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's more it's more of the fact that the writers keep trying to like up the stakes. So it's like, oh, we introduced Doomsday. Well, he's smart now. Okay, well now we have a Doomsday with Kryptonite embedded him. Oh, we've got even more now. It's a Doomsday that's fully mature because before he was just a larval. Yep, just who does who doesn't love Larval Doomsday? Like Larval Doomsday is honestly best Doomsday, best looking Doomsday, just because he looks like someone who was mutated over and over and over again. Well, you know, I I heard that's what they were going for in <laughs> the greatest film of all time, Batman maybe Superman Dawn of Justice. <laughs> but he wasn't mutated over and over again. He was just no, nuclear man. No, he just looked like uh, just looked like a cave troll. He looked like yeah. a, wasn't the best guys. wasn't the best design for Doomsday. But I digress. Before we move on to today's topic, uh, Drew, you know the other question I got to ask you: What's a little random, you know, comic continuity fact that you just you just get a kick out of? Well, uh, this one, well, this one is actually pretty funny to me. And since we brought uh, since we're bringing up Spider Man. Even though Peter is supposed to be the nerd with no game, he has had the most girlfriends and the most hookups in comics history. Is that true? Yes. Do you have the numbers on that? Because I feel like that 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 doesn't I feel like the math ain't mathing on that one for me. He's had the most girlfriends in comics history. I remember I remember like hearing that on um it was a not a po- it was not a podcast but it was like one of the like a trivia event and everything and i was like i had to look this up and it turns out it is true i mean i don't know man i feel like daredevil even just for marvel characters i feel like daredevil could give him a run for his money because matt murdoch but i mean girlfriends sure maybe spider-man's got a lot of iconic girlfriends but just random hookups daredevil's out here ruining marriages like i, I, I don't know i don't know about that one chief I mean, Peter Parker, charming guy. As we see in, in this, Peter, he, 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 you know, he, he has been lucky in He has in gotten some love, riz. But he's got some spider riz. But I just don't know if, if it can compete with that Daredevil riz, you know? I think when that radioactive isotope hit Matt Murdock in his eyes and it heightened all of his other senses, that hidden sense that, that it heightened, it wasn't just the radar sense, it was his riz, his riz sense. But... <laughs> That we'll save that for whenever we eventually talk about a Daredevil story. What we're talking about today, as we've mentioned, as you saw when you read the title, is Spider-Man Blue by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Now, pop off on this little synopsis that is eh, kind of rephrased from Wikipedia, but you know, I moved some things around, so it's a little different. Spider-Man Blue is a limited series written by Jeff Loeb and illustrated by Tim Sale, recounting the events from The Amazing Spider-Man Volume 1, number 40 through 48, 
and number 63, though it switches the order and implies that, you know, Craven the Hunter, who appeared in 47, is behind all the villains who attack Spider-Man, but, you know, it's a whole other thing. It ran for a total of six issues and has been reprinted in trade paperback form. Loeb and Sale had also worked on the limited series Daredevil Yellow, Hulk Gray, and Couch America White, which also chronicled their respective Marvel characters. Marvel Comics characters in their formative years. So they did a whole little series of these, you know, early look backs at some of these these most popular characters. And I gotta say, they're all pretty good. Not all as good as this one, because this is on another level, but they're all pretty solid. Uh, but before we get into just how special Spider-Man Blue is, Drew, I gotta talk to you about something. You talk listen? to me. Come, come on a walk with me. Because I gotta tell you about a little site called the Nerd Stash. All right, All audience, right. are you listening to? Listen, listen, to the audience. Are you stop what you're doing. Okay, put down your 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 tea or your 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 biscuits, whatever whatever you're ingesting. You know, stop chewing, stop sipping. I need you to hear me. All right, because if you're looking for the best place to get your gaming and entertainment news, I need you to go on over to nerdstash.com. All right, nerdstash.com has a plethora of very talented writers and content creators who are making it their mission to give people the latest news in the world of gaming, movies, television, comics, tech, just all the nerdy news you need to know about, guys. But that's not all. Are you looking to get your start in the game or entertainment journalism field? Or are you someone who's just trying to, you know, pop pop off on that resume, make it a little, little fancier, you know? Regardless of your experience, consider applying to join the writing team over at the Nerd Stash. You can find the link for the nerdstash.com in the description of this very episode, regardless of the platform you're listening on. And in that description, you will also find a link that'll direct you to any open positions we have available at the site. All you gotta do is click on that link, follow the instructions, and boom, you're off to the races. Now, without further ado, let's get into our general discussion because I really want to hear Drew's thoughts on this. Now, Drew, this is the first time you've read this, correct? Yes. Okay. What do you think? Just off the top of your head before we get into the nitty and the gritty. I was taken aback by oof, this okay, let me just put it this way. By like by the first 3 pages, I was hooked into this story. And I knew it was going to be something spe- I knew it was going to be something special. Like holy hell, reading this got me super excited. Got me super excited and super sad all at the same time. Like, I think, like, the best way to describe this is a pleasant melancholy. Mmm. That's good. That's a good good term for it. It's, uh, it's almost like in, uh, I don't remember what episode it was of, uh, How I Met Your Mother, but Ted Mosby refers to something as hauntingly beautiful. And I feel like that could also apply to Spider-Man Blue. Yeah, it could. It's really, it really is a little... Uh, read that's like I th- guess the best way to say this is like if you're a first if you've like only know Spider-Man from like a few things reading this gives you an introspection of the character that you probably won't get anywhere else mm-hmm. I don't think any adaptation really captures the essence of what it truly means for Peter to be Spider-Man than this I mean hey if if uh, Andrew Garfield's third outing as Spider-Man hadn't been canceled. Maybe they could have pulled from Spider-Man Blue, but 
you know, after reading all those emails, uh, all the Sony emails that got leaked with the plans for <laughs> the franchise, I don't think, I don't think that would have <laughs> happened. Yeah, they were going for a more bombastic outing. That's a word for it. Yeah, that's sure. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, to just keep my thoughts short so we can get into the, your thoughts and then go into our real discussion. It's like reading, reading this, like it invo- it invokes you to feel for Peter and it doesn't shy away. It tells you exactly what you're going to be reading from the first few pages and even with even with everything it's like i could tell the ending what the ending was going to be mm-hmm. and it still hit me like a like still a truck you. full of bricks still Oof. gets you man still get you and and you know going into my drone thoughts that's part of why i love this story so much this is one of my favorite Spider-Man stories. And it's funny that you mentioned how great this is for new readers, because obviously I've been a comic fan my entire life, but I was always more of a DC guy. I'd read, you know, a few, well, not a few, I'd read most of, uh, you know, the big Marvel events and, and whatnot. And, you know, I was a X-Men guy and a Daredevil guy. So I'd read a decent amount, but at the start of the pandemic, I texted you. I'm like, all right, Drew, I really want to get into Spider-Man. I've only read, you know, bits of Ultimate and, you know, bits of the Dan Slot run. So where where do I start? Now, you told me to read Maximum Carnage, which I did and I really enjoyed, but not necessarily the most new reader <laughs> friendly situation. <laughs> so then I went online and searched best Spider-Man stories of all time. And one of those stories was Spider-Man Blue and I'm like, "Oh, well, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, I remember hearing a podcast about this, you know, years ago." Uh, and I was like, "Well, let me uh let me take a gander." And I took a gander, and I was taken, taken aback by how beautiful this story is. I mean, you know, I, I will say, have a put a slight asterisk on it when we recommend it, just because uh, Jeff Loeb, you know, it, it's your mileage may vary, but he's said some pretty problematic things about Asian people. So if you don't, you know, want to support that, totally get it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I personally don't really you know, try and read anything new that he comes out with. But, you know, for older stuff where he's not really going to get a profit anymore, then, you know, by all means. Um, that being said, you know, shout out to the late, great Tim Sale. Oh, which reminds me, for the last episode where we talked about New Frontier, I don't know if we acknowledged that Darwin Cook, you know, passed away years ago. Shout out to the GOAT. Like, he was shout one of the best to ever to do it. Uh, but just like him, Tim Sale was also one of the best to ever do it. Uh, he passed away last year, and man... He's what a legend because his art in this is incredible. It's really, I don't want to say cartoony or abstract, but it's, it's very stylized, you know, it's not necessarily what normal people look like, but man, it is just so beautiful. And it's one of my favorite things about one of my favorite Spider-Man stories. But before we spend too much time gushing on it, let's get to our big three questions. So why did we want to talk about this story? I think that's pretty clear. A, it's a great Spider-Man story, but also, when Drew told me that he hadn't read it, I was like, "Well, Drew, you're you're the biggest Spider-Man fan I know. You know, I got a, I'm, I I was thunderstruck, really, that you hadn't read it. You know, <laughs> what like what 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 have you been doing with your life that you number one Spider-Man guy haven't read Spider-Man Blue? Well, there are a lot of Spider-Man comics that I've tried to read, and. Like, at one point, this guy had four ongoing series at the same time. So there's a lot. A lot of Spider-Man comics. Get on on Batman's level, Spider-Man. 
Get on Wolverine's <laughs> level. Come on. Okay, Wolverine didn't have ongoings. He just was in a ton of stuff. I don't know, man. At the beginning of Marvel now, he had, he was in a lot. He was in a lot because he had Wolverine. He had Wolverine in the X-Men. He had Savage Wolverine. He was in the right... He had the like right lead of the regular X-Men series. Like, or... It's just too much. Too much. Yeah. There, yeah, there's, there's a lot. But reason I never read Spider-Man... Spider-Man Blue was mostly because I had actually just forgotten about it through time. Because I was going through a lot of different Spider-Man... Uh, content and everything and it was just it was just a lot there was a lot there was a lot of spider-man i'll give you that yeah and sometimes i did have to like put some stuff down because i i believe around the time it was also craven's last hunt was uh something i was reading and that and that i had to like put down spider-man for a bit because that was like oof. i mean craven's last hunt is goaded like that it's go it's goaded but it could it's it hits you man it's it i did i read I might have read Graven's Last Hunt and Spider-Man Blue the same day. I'm trying to think. Whoa. I might have. Or at the very least the same week. Because I read them in my office. It was like, well, I... Like, I can know, understand the same week, but I couldn't do it in the same day. That I read okay. I read quite a few. It's because I woke up early. I had nothing to do. Like, at work, you know, it was raining outside. I'm like, right, I might as well just sit here and read. You know, I got a stack of things to get through. Uh... But no, Craven. Craven's last hunt goes hard. We'll talk about that one day, I'm sure, because it's yes. it's another one of the best Spider-Man stories. Um, but I mean, you know, it's, uh, yeah, there are a lot of Spider-Man comics, but I just don't know if I can forgive you for having not uh, indulged in this just this fantastic piece of work. But let me ask you something about this fantastic piece of work, Drew. Let me let me ask you a question here. What do you think this story does for the continuity and the mythos of Spider-Man? And continuity, continuity, I mean, in a large sense, not necessarily like, oh, well, how this ties into issue, you know, 400, just like <laughs> the continuity of the character as a, as a human, you know, quote unquote. I feel like this shows you the best and worst of Pete, like mm-hmm. not worst as in, oh, he's the worst. It's like he told it's like he totally like uh, let uh, Uncle Ben die on purpose and everything. It's like, no, 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 not like that. Not morally. I mean, for Peter, this is like. Now, if you want that, you be- read the current series. <sighs> <laughs> you read that? Uh, you read that issue came out yesterday. I haven't, but it's so infamous that it's all over my feed. Uh, man, it's already I look, that. I look infamous. forward to when we can talk about uh, talk about that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you know, no, 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 just... no, 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 no. That that need to be said, and honestly, what 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 has happened? What has happened? Uh, you know. Anyway, you were saying about the worst of of Peter. <laughs> okay, so this shows the worst and best of Peter. It's like you see, it's like you see Pete in this, and it's like this is his recording how he remembers things of his life leading up to him falling in love with Gwen Stacy, and at the same time Mary Jane Watson. But his eyes were for Gwen. He was focused on Gwen, but you can see the seeds, you know, of like, oh, I see why he and MJ are gonna get together. Yeah. And this and this one allows you to see. Honestly, I don't think it's just just good for Peter. I think it's amazing for MJ as well. I agree. Yeah, it shows off not only her character development, but also why many people consider her to be Peter's one true love, myself included. Yeah, that that must mean you hate the current run. 
But, yeah, uh, man, you know. <laughs> hey, John Romita Jr. He 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 draws he draws some good stuff. I'll say that. <laughs> Zeb Wells really liked his new mutants. You know, really liked his aliens. Really liked his avenging Spider Man. You know, he can. He, I like his his wife uh, Heidi Gardner on SNL. She's also pretty funny. Uh, that's, yeah. a, that's some positive things to say. Yeah, but uh, to be to be frank, what this does to the continuity is that I think this is the ultimate show of Pete's maturity and showing that he still has a lot of room to grow. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things with Spider Man, and one of the and one of the reasons why for a long time. I have always been like, okay, I get that Pete needs to struggle. He doesn't need to be fully miserable and everything. You've got yeah. that down already. But it's like this shows Peter's, ultimately Peter's maturity and everything. And the Spider-Man that I think we have lost to the modernization of Spider-Man. And I think, yeah, well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I was wrapping it up. But basically I was saying, I think like what this does for continuity is show us the roots of Spider-Man and why he became as beloved as he did and why we continue to love him to this day. And I totally agree with that. And what I was going to say is I definitely agree that this, this does feel like there's something, this Spider-Man that, you know, is lost these days and not even necessarily just because this is, he's still married to MJ or whatever, but just who he is as a person. I think because of the, mandate mantra whatever you want to call it that it seems that you know spider-man editorial has been rocking with for the last oh god almost 20 years at this point uh when when was one more day or no was one more day 2007 i think it was Eight? 2006 2006 at, at least 15 years give or take um it's like yeah peter has to struggle like you know he can't he can't be married like he's got to be you know you know single and struggling because you know that's relatable whatever okay great um but in undoing that marriage to MJ in taking him back to that quote unquote more iconic uh, portrayal even though he and MJ had been married since what like the eighties so. You know, yeah, it's like twenty years. Just he. It seemed like there was as much time where he was with MJ as there was he was single. But and we were expecting a baby at this point. Yeah, multiple times they almost had a baby. But I digress. That's a different. That's a different conversation. Um, by the way, you were right. Two thousand seven. So fifteen, sixteen years. Anyway, when they undid that marriage, in a lot of ways. I, quite frankly, they regressed Peter. And I'm not the only person who thinks that. You can go online. There's been plenty of sto- uh, articles, tweets, just thought pieces about, yeah, like they almost infantilized him. Where it's like, okay, yeah, now he just he just feels younger than he should be. Like, think about it this way, okay? Cyclops and Spider-Man are the same age. Think about that. How old <laughs> does Cyclops feel to you, Drew? Dude feels like he's in his 40s at this point. Right? He feels like he's in his 40s. Now, obviously he's not because, oh, you know, Marvel's a sliding time scale, all that crap, whatever. But that man has got, like, grandkids. I mean, sure, there's time travel involved, but he's married, you know? He's had multiple long-term steady relationships. He's more or less healthy exes with Emma Frost. Or they're still together and they've got a polycule going on with Gene and, and Wolverine. You know, it depends on how you're taking the subtext. I like to think they're all, you know, 
just having a great time on the moon, but that's just me. I like to think Emma just walked up in there one day and said, yeah, I'm in on this. And it's like, you don't yeah, have to. Yeah, of course. Choice. It's Emma. Emma, Emma, she's like, I'm in charge. And I'm like, bet. Great. Uh, yes, mother. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, she made, she made Captain America call her mommy. So that's, con- that's canon. That in that context. That's canon. Ah, I think it was that context. It, it's Emma Frost. It, it's, it's that context. She threw up at that. It was more of, oh, she reminded No, no, no. She, yes, in, at the Hellfire Gala, when he said, oh, you remind me of my mother. Yeah, she was disgusted. But recently, when he had to call in a favor from her in his solo series, like, the way he called her, because she was like, hey, I've, you've got this little, like, code phrase where if you send it out telepathically, I'll come. He, he made, uh, she made the code phrase, like, for mother or, or mommy or something. It was either mother or mommy. I have got to go read that now. Yeah, <laughs> go read it. Because this is a canon thing. She made... It, when Captain America needs to summon Emma Frost, he now says mother or mommy. One of those. That is such an Emma thing to do. As well. It is, and that's why we love her. That's why Emma Frost is great. She is just... She's that bitch, and we love that for her. Point being, you know, getting getting back on track. Actually, no, I'm not done on a tangent. You know who else uh, is doing much better than Spider-Man? Wally West. Wally West just had his third child. Okay. And Peter. Peter can't be with MJ? Really, Peter can't hold any sort of steady long-term relationship. You know? Why, Marvel? You know, I've been taking a moment to pause from, you know, talking about how great this story is because it's just got me fired up and reminded me of just everything that's happening. Why don't we want this man to be happy? Because I'll tell you what, actually not even happy. Why don't we want this man having some forward trajectory as a character? Okay? Because i tell you what, you can be in a relationship. You can still still struggle. You know? Yep. It, it, like, it doesn't even necessarily have to be all relationship drama. Like, couples go through hard times. Peter and MJ went through hard times together while they were still married. They, they went through the same trials and tribulations. They were there to support each other. They were there to bring out the best in one another, one another and make each other better, as they always have, you know? Except for the last 16 years when writers keep liking to, to pit them against one another. And I think one of, some of the uh, stuff that's also happened with a lot of Spider-Man side characters who have all gotten evolutions. Like Flash Thompson got ev- got an evolution and... He got to be Venom! So he got to, he be, got Venom, to be an Avenger! And so did, yeah, and Venom. That's really cool. Yeah, and Venom now has a kid and everything. And I will forever, forever be mad at Marvel that the fact that Renew Your Vows was not the canon way they oh, went God. with Don't having even. Pete have a kid. Don't even with that. Could you could you imagine if uh if a uh, May and uh Eddie's kid, I forget his name, Dylan, if May and Dylan like literally were like kid rivals mimicking their parents? It would sell like gangbusters. Everybody would love that. It'd be adorable. It'd be like the, instead of the Super Sons, it'd be the Spider Sons. Or Spider-lings. Spider... spider I like Spider... I like Spider-lings, Spider-kids, or just, uh, the Iraq... the Arachnids. Arach-kids. Arach-kids. I mean, well, that almost sounds like Arach... Point being, every character (laughs) is getting to move forward... I mean, shit, Superman has an adult, I mean, time travel shenanigans, Superman has an adult son. Batman has 17 children out there, all doing their own thing. Like, every character, every major character in comics is getting to move forward, except for Spider-Man. I mean, look, the X-Men have their own country, guys. They colonized the moon. But Peter, 
And Mars. What's his job right now? He's working for Norman Osborn for some reason. Could that be interesting? You know? Could there be interesting character dynamics there? There could. There could be. Are there? No. Not really. So anyway, back to Spider-Man Blue. I was gonna I wasn't even gonna say no. I was gonna leave leave that to the audience. But no, it's not really that interesting because Norman just got his sins wiped away by the Sin Eater at the end of the next Spencer run, which could have been an interesting direction. But Yeah. Can I say one more thing before you continue? Yeah, go ahead. One of the other things that one of the other things that bother me with it is that Spidey hasn't just like gone hasn't just like been treated like he needs to be single and everything he's regressed to a teenager yes yeah yeah yeah. and and let me add on to that i'm not saying oh mj and peter have to be together because that's how it is and that's how i like it if they'd wanted to split mj and peter up then they could have just had them get divorced the whole selling the marriage we've talked about this before selling the marriage of the demon that's dumb doing a whole mm-hmm. little like timeline reset that's dumb and the issue why that's dumb is because they've used that as an opportunity to do what we've said and regress him back to being essentially just a teenager and a man. Like, he's a man-child. He's not, yeah. you know, he's always talking about power and responsibility. And, you know, he still does superhero stuff. You know, he's still out there saving people. He's still a mess of a person. But it's just not, it doesn't have that same weight because a lot of times you're like, all right, Peter, well, that was just dumb. Like, you could have, there was an adult way to handle this and you're just not, you know, you're not doing it. Like yeah, he, it's he like just feels immature. Yeah, and ironically, Miles Morales feels more mature. the The fifteen year old kid feels he feels more, more mature. put together than Peter. And that should never have been the case. Miles should be going through the struggles Peter's going through. In rever- well, not the whole your your girlfriend slash wife is taken yeah, by I mean, someone that's else. That's a whole other thing. that. Uh, yeah, but, but it's no, like I get, Miles I get making- what you're saying. I get what you're saying. The re- like they could have had their cake and eaten it too. You could have the married adult Spider Man. Or just the adults, but didn't even married. Again, let's just say MJ and Peter got divorced in 2007. How many he- superheroes do we see going through divorce? That would have been an interesting dynamic for Peter to have to, to deal with. I mean, what, you got Hawkeye and Mockingbird. Sure, but that was more like their marriage got annulled than anything. And that was yeah. a scroll. So, like, whatever. Yeah, also, also Wanda and T'Challa, I guess. But that was you mostly due to T'Challa? bad writing. Who did I say? You said Wanda and T'Challa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I was no, like, no, I was like whoa, I, mi- I must have something. Storm and, T- Storm and T'Challa, they they technically got an old as well. Yeah, but we've established how I feel about that marriage anyway, so. Yeah, but also, that. yeah, but also it was like the the whole process of getting them to be divorced was kind of stupid as well. It was, I get- it was contrived. It was just, oh, Avengers versus X-Men, now they split up. Great. Thank you, I guess. I don't know. I'm sorry. With like, we couldn't have had actual conflict. Anyway, you know what, Drew? We can only complain about one marriage at a time. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Point being, they could have had their cake and eaten it too with having not even necessarily married, but an adult, mature Peter Parker handling adult, mature responsibilities. Maybe we could add him as a single dad. I don't know. And then you could have had the, the you know, teenage, quote-unquote, more relatable, like, you know, Miles Morales adventures. It would have been great. Instead, they chose not to do that. And I think that's part of why, A, Spider-Man Blue was so good, finally getting back to the topic of the show. Uh, sorry for that tangent, listeners, but that's part of what makes Spider-Man Blue so good, because it's bittersweet, not just because of the content of the story, because like, the, the the story itself is a bittersweet story. But it's also just a bittersweet look back at, like, man, 
Spider-Man's really cool <laughs> when it's a good story. <laughs> <laughs> when he's actually written to be it's an real, adult going through yeah, problems. Yeah, really cool when there's weight to his actions and his choices and, you know, the the emotional impact uh, that those choices have. Yeah. Mm. So why should you... Actually, no. Getting back to what does the story do for the continuity of mythos... Uh, like you said earlier, it does give you a great introspection on Peter Parker and who he is as a human being. Um, it serves as a great jumping on point, I think, for Spider-Man, period. Like, if someone's like, oh, what's the one Spider-Man story you would recommend? Like, this is always top of my list. It's just a great, it's a great story, great, simple primer for the character. Um, and it also just reminds you that, man, Spider-Man's cool. So that's what it does for the, the, the mythos. Also, you know, gives Gwen Stacy, a, you know, a, a, a bit more of a character, but yeah. Yeah. Different I mean, topic. Yeah. I mean, like she is like, uh, it's like a lot of people like to just focus on, Oh, it's like, Oh, Gwen Stacy. She's the one that fell off the bridge. It's like, no, she had more of a character guys. No, no. Now I feel like we've already answered this, but, yeah, we'll we'll touch on it anyway. So why should you, the listener, care about it? Because it's so good, guys. And Spider-Man can be cool. And if you want to just be sad, but like a pleasant sad, you know, like the end of a sad movie sad, but it's like, you know, there's a there's a silver lining at the end of the... At the end of the really, it just plays with your heartstrings. It's like listening to a sad album, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's so good. And then you're just like, oh, man, that took a lot out of me, but like, it was worth it. That's what that's what this is. That's what Spider-Man Blue is. You should care yeah. about it because it's good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's really good. It's good. Uh, it's good. If I may, you may. Uh, recently, like it's not even a full month ago, uh, lost someone special to me, and Pete's description of grief really, really hammered home, like this story for me because you understand what he's feeling like when you're trying to talk to someone and you're trying to get your feelings out to them but you also know they're not there yeah spider-man blue encapsulates all those feelings so if you feel like that you're going through something i think like reading or you if you have gone through something like this i feel like reading Mm -hmm. spider-man blue evokes those feelings but also helps you process them in a way because Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the recent grief or if it's just how good the story is, but I was crying by the end of this. Yeah. It is really, really good. It is. And, you know, I, I told you off air, but I am sorry for your loss. And I am glad that this recommendation was able to bring you some sort of catharsis, you know, didn't, you know, plan it out that way. But, I mean, that's the the power of comics, you know? I mean, it's the power of any sort of storytelling in an art form, but I think in general, uh, comics are so frequently seen as disposable or, you know, lesser than. It's just like, oh, this is just, you know, c- you know, cartoons and, you know, people flying around and punching each other or other people just see it as, oh, this is just where, you know, people come to get ideas for, you know, what they're going to do for the movies. But no, these stories and these, you know, this art is valid in and of itself and it can have just as much of a impact on the reader as anything else so thank you for sharing that drew no problem now here's 
a different question. And I feel like we've touched on this a little bit, you know, during our 10-minute rant on why Spider-Man comics are currently very disappointing. But <laughs> we'll, we'll go into this a little bit more. How do we feel about certain character portrayals? I ask this for most episodes, largely so far because, you know, the last two were Elseworlds. But this question feels relevant because of everything we've just talked about with how Peter's been portrayed. So as an outgrowth of this question, I'd also like to ask, how do you typically like to see Peter Parker portrayed as a whole? And we can extend that to, you know, movies, games, cartoons, adaptations, just your general perception of Peter as a character. For most of my life, I've always enjoyed seeing Peter start at the bottom and work his way up to the top. Mm -hmm. I think because of recent comics... Well, not just recent comics, but just because, like, the story is constantly not allowing Peter to progress. And a lot of that has yeah. also gone to m recent adaptations and stuff. Like, some mm -hmm. of them allow him to progress, but some of them it still feels like he's in the same place. He's just got an office now. Yeah. But, um... Same place emotionally or whatever, intellectually. Yeah. So, I prefer my Peter to work his way up. Now, however, I did enjoy the MCU making Peter start in a more safe space and admittedly i wanted to see what a peter with a ton of money and resources would do with his great power great responsibility mm -hmm. and i and we're not getting that in the mcu anymore that's fine i, I mean totally hey who knows that. one day maybe doc ock may appear in the mcu and take over his body and start parker industries uh, I guess I guess so. That could that could happen. But Bring I don't back think Alfred Molina. <laughs> have him voicing. <laughs> have his voice come out of Tom Holland's body. That'd be creepy. <laughs> the but power also of the sun awesome. in the palm of my hand. <laughs> but uh, I enjoy seeing a Peter that is experienced. That is my favorite Peter. Mm -hmm. Like you see, like you know, this guy has gone through some crap, and he might yeah. not have it all put together. But he's someone who you can go up to. And ask, how do you handle this? And he could give you some advice. It's like Peter is the perfect balance of the sage of the sage you go to and the and the uh, person who doesn't know anything. That is Peter Parker to a T. Well, yeah, and, and going off that, just to you know, not to interrupt you, but to reinforce something you just said, it was I was listening to the word balloon podcast shout out it's a great podcast uh, by john centris but he was talking to philip kennedy johnson uh who's who wrote the or is currently writing action comics you know the run that i am constantly recommending to you and you finally got into he was talking about how whenever you write a series um he likes to have a, a mandate for the character you know like a core a core thing and he was talking about uh chip zadarsky who has written a great deal of Spider-Man stuff. I referenced him earlier with his Daredevil run. And he was saying how his favorite Spider-Man mandate was the one he heard from Chip Zdarsky, which was to boil down the character. Like everyone says, yeah, power and responsibility. But apparently for Chip Zdarsky, his is can't but must. And I think that is such a... a fantastic distillation of what spider-man is and it is something we get in this story but it definitely reinforces everything you just said about like yeah he's been through like so much too much honestly like and you would go up and be like how do you survive like how can you do this and it's simply like he just has to because he's spider-man like that's mm -hmm. he, he is the one responsible he has to be the one who can who can you know bear that weight but also um 
you know, even, even from just a, a power level sense, like, you know, people, I feel like, you know, based on maybe not necessarily his, his place in the MCU, but just the cartoons in general. I, uh, I think because of his usually in adaptations, more youthful, uh, portrayals typically, or just because his seeming immaturity, a lot of people forget how like actually powerful Spider-Man is like yeah. when he goes all out, it's a problem. If Spider-Man wanted to be a villain, he would be an absolute menace. Like he can, he he recently just took on the Avengers during Secret Wars. He like fought the entire like X Men, the the giant size squad. Um, like he is incredibly dangerous when he wants to be, and I think that's something that gets heavily underrated. Yeah, I think like one of the reasons why a lot of people love the Superior Spider Man run is because Doc Ock is sort is like he's not exactly the same as Peter, but you see what a peter not holding back would yeah. look like and he he applies that specific power in in more precise ways you know he's like oh i'm gonna hit this person just right here at maximum damage i'm gonna shatter this you know their entire <laughs> you know arm like every bone in in their hand if i just boop hit him in the wrist right like he's it's very it's very scary when when Peter's unhinged. That's why when you have the moments where Peter's like, "Okay, I'm done. Like I'm done joking around. I'm gonna beat the shit out of you." It gets scary. Even just in the beginning when he's going up against the Green Goblin, you know, you have those moments where he's like, "Okay, I'm done joking around. Like I'm taking you out." You know, like only one of us is walking out of here, and it's like, "Damn!" Like Peter Parker, he's he's got he's got some grit to him, and I think that is something. You know, going back to the the character portrayal, I think that's something in general that a lot of the adaptations in recent years haven't necessarily leaned into as much. Um, the last one that really did it, I think, was at least in the cartoons, Spectacular Spider Man, which we do have mm -hmm. an episode about on Nerds Talk Movies. Go back and listen to that because it's a great episode. Actually, we have two. Really great. We split the season. Yeah, we split we split it because technically it's supposed to be two seasons. Yeah, were thirteen episode seasons. Yeah, so go listen to that because it's great stuff. But part of why that's such a great adaptation, and I think we agree that's one of the best Spider Man adaptations. Period, is because mm -hmm. it understands like even behind the jokey demeanor, and even though that is Peter at his youngest as Spider Man, it still understands that weight and maturity to the character, um, and it understands that destroyed but it understands that power and responsibility and peter still has an edge to him um and that's something that we talked about or we have talked about before where i didn't necessarily love where tom holland spider-man started out even aside from the iron quote-unquote iron boy jr you know criticisms i mean i I never really liked his relationship with iron man that much anyway because i do prefer peter to be more of a, a self-made person but just his portrayal was more like, oh, gee willikers, like, I'm so young and innocent, where it's like, okay, you're like, yeah, you're a kid, but, like, you know, you've been through some trauma, and also, yeah. like, I like my Peter Parker to be a little bit of a dick, you know? You go back and you look <laughs> at the... <laughs> you, uh, I see people talk about this on Twitter all the time, but you go back and look at, you know, uh, 
old issues and i mean like old old his first appearances and it'll be like you know uh essentially boiled down to flash being like hey parker <laughs> you're a reading what a nerd and then peter's like you're gonna fucking die alone <laughs> it's like jesus christ <laughs> peter like i kind of get why they're bullying you you're kind of an asshole <laughs> like you're honestly, you need to honestly chill. i always interpret that as pete Pete's response to the bullying and everything because oh, it's yeah. like, how much can you take that before? Oh no, it's, you start- it's 100% that, but it, like, cause he's not just telling everyone on the street, you know, go, go fuck yourself. But he, he does have a certain edge. And was like, all right, Peter, that you went to 100 really quickly. <laughs> like, yeah, flash has been, you know, getting on your, you know, getting under your skin for the last decade. But like, there's a line, Peter, Jesus. <laughs> he was like, you don't know how to pick up a book, you ignorant. Like, you will, you'll never learn how to read. It's like, oh my God, like, Peter, come on. Uh, but no, this does, in general, have one of my, th- this is the type of Peter that that I think is at his best. You know, he's still, this is still him young, you know, he's in college, so it's not early, early days, but it's, you know, trending closer to the beginning of his Spider-Man career. Um, honestly, this seems to be like the, the era in which this is set feels like what most of the, you know, popular portrayals try and pull from, you know, this is like, oh, when he's hanging out with Harry and Flash and Gwen, he's like still young, but like, you know, just, just starting out. I mean, shit, the original Tobey Maguire movies in within what, 30 minutes, the first one, he's already living with Harry in New York, you know, but, uh, yeah, no, I think this is a great example of prime young Peter Parker that isn't too like golly gee willikers, but isn't too like, you know, I'm going to just murder everybody. It's like, okay, you can have some grit, but like, you know, you're still young. Have, have some, have some fun. He isn't as broken by the world yet. Aside from the whole, Oh man, uncle Ben's dead. Now, you know, we do get more of that, that weight, to the narration and you know the the bookends where it's peter i guess it's no longer present because it was published 20 years ago but adult peter you know married to mj but it's still i don't know it still feels more it just feels more peter you know than what we've gotten in the last uh, 16 years depending on the writer there i'm not gonna sit here and say everything in the last 16 years has been terrible spider-man we've had some great stuff yeah, there's been some great moments where Pete, sh- where it's like they, re- I feel like some writers realize the regression of Pete and try to have those mm-hmm. character moments where it's like, okay, this is Spider-Man maturing, maybe he'll get back to the classic, yeah. maybe it'll be a different version, but it's like, he's going to mature. Yeah, and even in the, you know, I'm mainly referring to the Amazing Spider-Man title and some of the other stuff, you know, whatever the various spectacular Spider-Mans or, you know, Avenging Spider-Man, any of those other tie-ins. Like, usually those writers have a solid grasp on Spidey, they have great stuff. Like, as we mentioned earlier, Chip Zdarsky's Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man, everyone loved. It's great stuff. I mm-hmm. even enjoyed Tom Taylor's Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. I know Tom Taylor can be hit or miss for some people, but I personally got a kick out of it. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, with and the even amazing... with my cor- mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, even with my gripes uh, with the Ultimate Spider-Man, I feel like that is a is like I feel well, not the Ultimate Spider-Man, the Ultimate Universe mostly, mm-hmm. but it's like They're Spider-Man. I feel Spider-Man, like yes, yeah, Spider-Man was great in that. Yeah, one. We oh we we we've talked about a lot of the problems with the Ultimate Universe, but their Spider-Man was not one of them. 
yeah they, they they did a good job with that they let bendis cook uh back when he was still you know a five-star chef now again different conversation but <laughs> with the mainline spider-man series that has been most largely impacted by one more day and you know sure there was i'm, I'm mainly thinking of like starting with the big time era like when dan slot took it over solo you know um that I, I that was the first Spider-Man run that I read all the way through, and I will say I do really enjoy that run. Are there some things in there I'm like, eh, that seems a little dumb, Peter? But whatever, go off. Yeah, sure. There's plenty of that, but the highs in that run are incredibly fantastic. And I know that's you know redundant, but it's really it's really cool. It's really cool because there are moments where it's like, damn, Dan Slott really does get Peter. Even if this is a slightly regressed Peter, you know, whatever. He gets it. Nick Spencer's run, which was, uh, we'll, we'll just say controversial. You know, some people love it. Some people don't. Uh, the highs of that were really, really freaking high. It, yep. I mean, it was all about him getting back with MJ. Like, it felt like, okay, no, maybe he does have a, understand a sense of responsibility now it got bogged down with a lot of retconning you know doing a lot of heavy lifting to try and quote-unquote fix spider-man which you know a lot of people appreciated i myself i appreciate it a bit uh Hmm. but then you come to the current run which it's here's the thing i'm not even gonna say this run is actually actively bad there's some things that i don't like i think it's dumb uh i think the art's great you know jrjr is still killing it but I think the biggest, I think my biggest gripe, I will say, with this run, especially comparing it to something like Spider-Man Blue, is it feels so concerned with immediately tearing down everything that just happened in the previous run, where it's, it feels like we're watching Peter get regressed in real time in a way that is different even from one more day because with one more day, it was like, okay, we've got this adult Peter, he's married, whatever. Like he's, you know, he's got a life and then snap reality's changed. Okay. He's just back to being young. Well, not young, but his, he's back at a different point in his life emotionally. And you don't watch it happen. It's like, okay, he's just different now because his life has been different. And, you know, part of the, story since then obviously was learning you know how things were different you know learning the secrets behind it but it was just this is just what it it is what it is with the current run it's just like okay well ignore everything that just happened and we're just gonna have peter keep doing kind of dumb things yeah i'm not gonna tell you why until issue 25 and it's not as shocking or surprising as anyone really thought and it's just it's just that comic book nonsense. Comic book nonsense. Comic book nonsense. So this has all been a very long-winded, uh, you know, answer to the question of how do we like Peter Parker portrayed. But the uh, the simple answer is the way he's portrayed in this story. <laughs> you know, <laughs> pretty we, much. We, yeah, it's just the way he's portrayed in this story. We like this Peter. He's great. He's great. Got it. Yeah. When Zeb Wells is off, is off. The Amazing Spider-Man. We're gonna have to go through and read every single issue and just have an actual conversation because it's yeah. it's sucking up a lot of a lot of real estate, you know, on our other episodes. Yeah. So oh, man, we're gonna have to talk about the the dark web. We're gonna have to talk. I, hey, you know what? 
you know what? From an X-Men perspective, I enjoyed a lot of Dark Web. Overall, I, I enjoy Dark Web. More as an X-Men fan than as a Spider-Man. As a Spider-Man fan, eh. I never really had a big attachment to Ben Riley. I'll be honest. I'm just like, damn. It was more like, damn, someone really doesn't like this character. <laughs> it, see, it felt the way Dan DiDio used to treat Wally West. I'm like, damn, what, what what's the beef with Ben Riley? <laughs> see, with me, I always thought that Ben Riley would eventually grow to be his own character. He would basically become what Miles is today. It, you, and now I became, feel like there's... You think he became what Kane became. Like Kane Parker, Scarlet Spider, just off doing his own thing. Yeah, now I feel like where is like what place is there for Ben Riley now? Is <laughs> hanging out in the Limbo Embassy with Madeline Pryor. Will he appear in Dark X Men coming this fall? I hope so. I'm very much Same. looking forward to that bug. Glad to see the Goblin Queen getting her due. So that, I mean, that's yeah, that's why I like Dark Web. So I'm like, okay, like yeah, go off, Maddie. You've been mistreated, and you finally get a nice moment. You're like, yeah, you know what, Maddie, like. You can you can get the respect you deserve, and apparently her and Jean are gonna have a, a their I think this is their technical first face to face like full knockdown because other times it's been clones of Maddie. Yeah, no, which, they already had they already had their interaction. I thought they were always clones. I mean, they are always clones, but they've interacted before, like in Inferno. Yeah, I mean, like full. I mean, like full on fight. They full on fought in Inferno. That's how Maddie died. She burned herself out. I was sure they said that that was a clone, or maybe no. Sinister that was, was I mean, I'm she not is sure. A clone, but no, that was Madeline Pryor. Like that was her original death, and they had their interaction during the uh, Dark Web, and it all boiled down to uh, Maddie just wanted to have her memories back of uh, raising Nathan, and Jean was like, "Yeah, you could have just asked. You didn't have to <laughs> you didn't have to bring hell on Earth." She's like, "Oh, my bad." <laughs> and then there you go, and now there's uh, that feels respect. That feels like a full thing Maddie would do, because Jean is that type of woman. Certainly what Jean, I love Jean, but Jean's a, a complex individual. Anyway, getting back on Spider-Man. Do you think the story, this is another twofold thing. So, do you think the story holds up both as a retelling of the 60s, you know, issues, which is what it was printed as, and do you think it holds up as its own standalone story, because now it's 20 years old? I think if, if, I'm bad at math. I was this. Let me think. Hold on. 24. Okay. So it's not as much, but it's not as much of a difference. But by the time when this was originally printed, it was like 24 years after the original stories. It was, you know, the re recontextualizing. So now that we're, once again, twenty years away from this story. You think how do you how do you think it holds up on both fronts? Honestly, I think it holds up pretty great. It's a story that tries to bring in a modernization and but and a retelling of like classic stories. And it does a great job of pushing you to like want to know what ha what happened. Whether you are in whether you know the Spider Man knowledge or not, this story is something they you're going to walk away from and you're going to say dang and i think like it i think it'll hold up for for years to come it's just feels like timeless because at the end of the day it's already a story that's meant to look back at a at a time gone by but also mm -hmm. it's about processing grief and how it doesn't just go away it will sit it stays with you and sometimes you're just going to have to like 
keep go you're just gonna have to keep going you're gonna have to talk to this person you know can't answer you back mm-hmm. but at the same time at the same time it's just you processing it and feeling blue feel i mean i could have said it better yeah i 100 percent agree i i think this definitely holds up on both counts and it's funny that something from you know literally 20 years ago at this point still feels so quote-unquote modern and that's a, a trend we talked about this a bit when we discussed the ultimates how yeah that was 20 years ago now but even then it still feels it still feels modern i think and i i don't know because i wasn't born or you know well i wasn't around in the 80s but it seems to me at least from you know old issues that i've read and whatnot the difference in I won't necessarily say society, but in in writing style, in the way that comics are created and consumed and processed, the mindset in which we go into them and the mindset in which they were created, the difference between now and the year 2002, I mean, aside from certain things that age differently, like slang or just, you know, types of subtle bigotry that we were more cool with back then, uh, that difference feels lesser than you know when you go back and you're reading you know something from the end of the 90s and you take it back 20 years to the end of the 70s you know like it feels like there's a greater shift in oh okay the world is different now and the way we the maturity with which these stories are told is different now yeah it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting little little uh, reality, I guess we have, and it's something that I, I look forward to just with this show in general, like going back and talking about older things. Because so far, everything we've talked about was put out like twenty years ago. I'm curious yeah. as to how our perceptions will change as we talk about things that are more recent. You know, like we're currently continually talking about the current Amazing Spider-Man, or if we go back and talk about something even further, like something from the 80s, or even if we end up talking about like, oh, the first appearance of whoever in, you know, something from 1964. It's, it's, it's interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Now, Drew, I have one last question before we just talk about our, our favorite moments and our final thoughts. Okay. And this is a question that if I'm not mistaken, we've argued on more than one occasion. And I think it's time that we just get it out there for the world to hear, you know, for the world to decide who is I right. can't believe you're bringing and this up. And by that, and by that, and, you know, <laughs> when I say for the world to decide who is right, I mean for the world to agree with me that I'm right and you're mistaken. Mary Jane or Gwen? Who you, what do you, who should Peter be with in an ideal world? Like who? Who's who's better? Who's the better love interest for Peter? I'd say in the comics, it is one hundred percent Mary Jane. Okay, and so I you're adding stipulations a- now because in the past, in the past, <laughs> you just gave me a, a flat answer. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I gave you a flat answer. I gave you a flat answer because I was one hundred percent on the Gwen Stacy. Hi- you were well, on the Gwen train. You were the conductor. I'd go as far as say I'd give you that time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And uh, I'm not afraid to say it. When Spider Verse came out and Spider Gwen was there, and it's like originally she was portrayed to being the same age as Peter. Like I was like, oh well, 
I don't know if I ever got that vibe. I always assumed this was a much younger. We're talking about the comic Spider-Verse, right? Yes. Yeah. I even then I was like, oh, she's like 18. I didn't think. I mean, obviously she was older than Miles, but I was like, she is not Peter's age. I thought she was Peter's age, but hey, that could just be me. But um, I was like excited to see. Oh, this could be interesting. How will they do this? Never did anything with it, and she turned out to be a teenager anyway, so I don't care. But I do have to say, like, as time has as time has progressed, I do see MJ as the uh, final love interest and everything. Like, this is who Peter should end up with. It is the one true pairing, because holy hell, like, as I go back and read through some of their adventures, like, with MJ just ha- being there to support Peter, or just ha- even here, where we see how MJ started out, and, like, this bombshell woman, and how she can still be that, but also can be that supportive wife, it's just, MJ really does, like, just give you the vibe that she, that she is truly, like, like she always says, Peter hit the jackpot. He hit the jackpot. And well, you know what, Drew? I'm glad you realized the errors of your ways because I was going to say uh, MJ. I do love Black Cat. You know, I do love Black Cat. I like her as her own character. I like her with Peter. But Endgame is, 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 uh, I'll, I'll take Black Cat over Gwen Stacy if I'm being honest, but that's a different. Okay, I wouldn't go that far. I would, I would go that far. But I, because, because Gwen hated Spider Man, you know? And, and Felicia, she loves Spider-Man. She loves, but she, she likes like both Peter. sides of Peter. Yeah, but she's over that now. <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, well, you know, she Gwen got character be- development. Yeah, Gwen- well, guess what? Gwen got character development right off a bridge. So there you Jesus. go. Jesus. I mean, it sucks, but that's what happened. You know, and that's what this whole story is about. <laughs> it sucks, but it happened. Um, but as for why MJ is the best, because she is. Uh, agreeing with you, you know, is is what I'm doing right now. So you're welcome. Uh, how's it, a a How does it feel to be on the winning side? You know, the right side of history. How's that feel, Drew? Okay, it feels great. The arbiter of culture has decided for you. It feels great. But the moment towards the end where Peter is talking, you know, he's still talking to Gwen, and he's saying, "I don't know that MJ would have been ready for." And he was he's talking about himself too, but it does focus more on MJ. Like, I don't know if MJ would have been ready for something as real as what we have if what had happened to you hadn't happened because mj loved gwen too like you don't get to see it as much in this because it is their first meeting but mj and gwen like did become best friends you know yeah like her gwen's death impacted mj as much as it impacted peter which is why at the end you know when she finds you know know, spoiler alert uh no matter how much we spoil this this is one that i think everyone should listen to I mean, yeah. Uh, like I said, even if you know the ending, it even still ending, hits you. It, it hits. But that's why, even at the end, when MJ finds Peter, and he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean for you to hear," and she's like, "No, like I totally get it," and you know, tell Gwen I miss her too, like because that's her friend, and she she knows that Gwen is always going to matter to Peter because Gwen's always going to matter to her, and that's another example of them supporting and being there for each other because MJ is really what helped Peter get through Gwen's death and vice versa. They were there for each other in a way that neither of them expected to be. And in a way that 
ultimately tied them together for the rest of their lives and cemented the fact that, like, yeah, they bring out the best in one another. So there you go. There's the answer to that question, listeners. MJ, Mary Jane Watson, is the best. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Now, before although, we... Although oh, I also oh, have... Say? You, yeah, I also, you're, you're, you're on the winning side, Drew. Are you going to say something to... To, to... Look, I was just gonna say I was just gonna say that my mindset could have also been affected by the Sam Raimi movies. Well, that's fair. It's, MJ, you know, Kirsten Dunst, great actress, and I like flawed characters. I like flawed women, but no one in that movie really acts like a human being. Peter's a, a jerk too, so I'm not I'm not gonna say, oh, well, just MJ's just being so you know un- unreasonable. There are moments where, like, MJ literally just have a conversation. There are moments where, like, Peter just have a conversation. You get to the end of Spider-Man 3, and you're like, these people just shouldn't be together, quite frankly. I'm glad they're, they've squashed their beef, but they shouldn't be in a relationship without some serious therapy. Uh, and Gwen's <laughs> not even really a character in Spider-Man 3. Like, they just have Bryce, they have Bryce Dallas Howard <laughs> there <laughs> for some reason. And she's, you know, she's there. She falls out of something. She doesn't die. And... She, you know, is is forced into a, a position to be the the other woman, uh, so that's not cool. But you'll say Emma Stone, great Gwen Stacy. I can see why mm-hmm. if you're going just on the movies, you take Gwen over MJ. That's just that's a, that's that's I mean the the tension, the palpable tension between Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone in those films, mm-hmm. spectacular, amazing, friendly neighborhood, even you know. <laughs> Just great. You should have gone with sensational, but I was I was also gonna say web of, <laughs> you know, but you know I, I didn't I didn't know how many web of Spider Man fans there are out there. Now, Drew, since we're wrapping things up, what are some of your favorite moments in this story? I like a ton of them, and ironically, I think some of my favorites just come with how Peter affects the people around him, mm-hmm. like Peter just being Spider Man makes Flash want to be more responsible and join the army and everything. And after just seeing him be a jerk throughout most of the comic, it's crazy to see. Yeah, it's a good moment. Yeah. I like MJ just being this daredevil. Like, hey, I want to go to the place with the active lizard and everything. Mm-hmm. And Pete's like, the active, oh. like, crisis situation. And I'm going to go flirt with a cop. Yeah. And she's like... And uh, when Pete gets back, she sees the bruises. She's like, oh, my guy need- my guy deserves a reward. It's like, Jesus. We talk about Peter's unconscious riz, but MJ got it. MJ, MJ has conscious it. and unconscious. MJ personifies riz. Mm-hmm. I think also my favorite is just the budding friendship between Pete and Harry. Mm, that's it's like, stuff. I've, yeah, I've, of- I've often like in my head just because of how many adaptations have them already as friends and everything? Yeah. It's like subconsciously I'm being like, okay, these guys are best friends and everything. And I suddenly forget. They weren't best friends at first. Yeah, you never really see it start. Yeah. Harry was just the popular rich guy. And then this one shows you how it starts. It's like Peter du- Peter remembers, oh, Harry has a father and everything. Has a father and everything. Norman doesn't remember his deeds. It's like, I can't just leave this guy to die. And that starts off their friendship. It's an act of kindness that Harry doesn't even know he did. It's honestly amazing. 
It's it's honestly sensational. There you go. See, yeah, that went back to that adjective for you. <laughs> no, but I I totally agree. the The strongest moments in this story are one hundred percent like the character moments. Not, I mean, obviously the 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 action and the adventure is great. Tim Sale is fantastic at at showing these dynamic scenes of Spider-Man going up against, you know, the Rhino or, or Craven the Hunter or, you know, the two dueling vultures. But it's those small moments where he's just interacting as a human with, you know, the people that mean the most to him. That is, it's just, it's great stuff. For my favorite moments, anything with MJ. <laughs> like, she's just so fucking fun. In, in this story, she, the way she's like, hey, Tiger, hey, what up? I'm the, my life's a party and I'm the cake. It's like, all right, MJ, you're the best. Like, you just go, I, I would read, I, I would have read a Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale, MJ, like, reading the phone book comic. Like, she's <laughs> just so fucking fun. And you really need that in this story because Peter's narration, for a lot of it, is pretty depressing. Yeah. Which is understandable. But it's it's such a great contrast and such a great mix of tones where it's something that I feel like also carries through to the bookend where it's like at the end even though MJ is still serious and you know because she's like a grown adult now she does have that moment where she uplifts him where it's like no like it's okay like I get it like do what you need to do um so that's fantastic uh let me think what are some of my other favorite moments in this um Anything with J. Jonah Jameson just being a dick. <laughs> it's, just, he's, it's, it's classic J. Jonah Jameson where she's like, I'm just an asshole. And you're like, you know what? Fair. Like, it's funny. And we don't have to spend much time questioning it because that's just who you are. Um, mm-hmm. Love the beginning with the Green Goblin. I think Tim Sale draws a really creepy uh, Green Goblin in like the best way. Um, True. And the uh, the dual personalities fighting. Yeah. It's like at one point he says, "I don't care about my son." Moment, the moment Pete interjects, it's like get. It's like don't talk about my son. Yeah, he's like leave him out of it. And you're like, you brought him up. Like, what's your <laughs> like? Peter's literally like, you brought him up. What's your problem, bro? Um, yeah, really, just that. Oh, get uh, another. And I'll I'll say this as as my final uh, favorite moment when. Uh, Peter and Gwen have their first kiss. It's like man, oh, Tim that Sale one's can amazing. draw the shit out of out of a romantic moment. He did it with you know Batman and Catwoman quite a few times, like, and then he does it here. And man, it's just it's some good stuff. Really, hesitations regarding Jeff Loeb aside, like I do recommend everyone give this a read just because Tim Sale's art was incredible. Like he's one of the yeah. the best to ever do it. Yeah. Also gotta get also gotta give it to like just the subtle steams in this uh mm-hmm. comic and everything. It's like the kiss happens with Peter being shirtless in his room and Gwen just enters without hesitation. I mean, <laughs> hey, you see you see those spider abs. You're gonna you're gonna go through that doorway. <laughs> it's like, whoa, Parker, you, you you those books must be heavy. Makes me wish I could get a radioactive spider bite for those apps. I tell you what, I would love, well, you know, I'm not going to say I would love to have a radioactive spider bite me because realistically I would just get a debilitating disease. But if someone wants to give me superhuman powers that just automatically puts me in tremendous shape, then, you know, hey, 
That's I'll take Cap Super Soldier formula for three thousand. That see, there you go. That's a good one. You know, we'll see. I don't know if I'd go with that one because that means you would never be able to get drunk. So honestly, you know. I can't get drunk now. So oh, I would so accept. Look, it. look at you, Mister High Metabolism. You think you're better than me, <laughs> dude? Do you? Do know I reveal I've been I've been incredibly drunk this entire time? No, I'm just kidding. I'm this. I'm I'm drinking water, everybody. I'm drinking water. Hey, this isn't a job. We don't have to like be sober on here. No, we don't, and I'm I am one hundred percent sure there will be episodes where we're gonna need a drink because we're not only gonna talk about good stuff, you know. Uh, I need a little more good stuff before we start talking. Oh no, about we the definitely bad. we can't have the fourth thing we talk about be bad, but you know we're we're gonna even if it's like for a debate, you know, we're we're gonna have to we're gonna have to mix it up because here's here's the thing here's a little peek behind the curtain. Everybody, you you can you can listen to Drew and I, you know, discuss things for for a moment. I want us to be positive, you know, for the most part. I want us to talk about things we love, because that's you know, there's a lot of negativity on the internet, and everyone says, oh, there's a lot of negativity in the world. Do something positive, but genuinely, like, it's fun to talk about things you like, you know. And we yep. spent a lot of time on this episode making fun of uh, the current Amazing Spider-Man run. When really, like, it's not great. It's not what we want with the character. It's not the worst thing I've ever read. A lot of people on Twitter act like it, you know, they, the writer shot their dog or something. It's like, no, it's just, it's mid, you know, it's, it's character aggravating. regression. It's aggravating, but it's like, you know, I have read worse comics. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, when, and that's what I'm saying. The worst comics are the ones we're going to have to talk about. And we're going to need to be drunk, so, or at least tipsy. So that way our criticism will be funny instead of just mean and depressing. <laughs> I have a feeling that if we're drunk, we'll enjoy Marvel a bit. Don't just, don't just make assumptions about, you know, how we, how we're going to feel reading heroes in crisis. Uh, it could have been good. It could have been so good. The art's good. I'll say that. The art's good. There's some, man. there's some awesome uh, moments where the characters are doing their, uh, what doing their confessionals. Yeah, confessionals. There are also some really, really dumb and bad moments with doing the confessionals, but that's comics in general. We've we've said it since episode one. Comics are real good, but they're yeah. real dumb. One of my one of my most aggravating dumb. moments. For, one of my most aggravating moments. You guys get a sneak peek. It is not the most, but one of one of my most aggravating moments. Harley Quinn gets away from the Trinity. How? How you have two of them with super speed and the greatest detective? How? <sighs> yeah, she does. Uh, she does evade Superman and Wonder Woman. Okay, okay, okay. We done. We. It's like yeah. I, I on that note. On that note, I think I think we're through our favorite moments. Uh, so before we get out, you know, before we talk oh, about our final one other favorite. Oh, you got a favorite, favorite moment? moment. Give me, give me end- another one. Yeah, let's uh, wash the on, Harley uh, Quinn evading the Trinity out of my mouth. <laughs> my other, my other favorite moment is when Craven comes in and Pete and Harry double team him. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. He just bashes him in the back of the head with a big old bucket, or or was it a cinder block? I couldn't tell. He hits him in the back of the head. So I'm like, all right, Harry, like shit. You're not the loser your dad thinks you are. Yeah, I think it's a bucket of coals. If I recall, but I'm not sure. It's like it's supposed to be the sixties. I'm not sure what's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, well. Whatever it is, it looks like it might have given Craven a concussion. But 
he kind of deserved it because he was trying to kill Harry and Peter. So, you know, yeah, whatever. Anywho, let's uh, let's start wrapping up. Do you got anything else you want to say about Spider-Man Blue before we swing off into the sunset? Listen to some jazz while you read it. Oh, yeah. Listen to some jazz. Or the Spider-Man soundtrack. Listen to some sad music in general, but jazz would definitely fit. Yeah. Just have the the the, the score from The Amazing Spider-Man 2, uh, the sad montage when he's surprised after Gwen died. Just listen to that and repeat while you're reading this, you know? And that'll really, it'll break you, but hey, you know, when, when that, that's, that's just part of life. Anyway, Spider-Man Blue is really good, everybody. You should read it. It's very good. Please go read it. It's so good. Please. I'm, ba- I'm, I'm practically on my knees here. Go read it. Now, Drew, what are you working on, and where can the lovely listeners find you? I am, current- I am currently on um, Instagram and Twitter. I am Drew Garrison underscore, and that is what I'm focusing on right now. Uh, trying to get, trying to, uh, get my schedule together for that, but gonna be having some, what I like to call one minute ideas and everything, where I discuss something about some of my favorite fan base, not fan bases, my favorite fan dumbs, I think that's how it goes. Basically my favorite, some of my favorite, uh, stuff I like to talk about. Favorite nerd topics. My nerd topics. Thank you. That sounds way cooler. Okay. Yeah. Gonna be discussing my favorite nerd topics and... Topics, which one of the first ones I'm coming out with is Legend of Korra, the spirits, and how they mm. changed. Like I said, it's only one minute. Don't expect in-depth stuff. I mean, I, how, how, here's the thing, Drew. You, you start talking to me about Legend of Korra, I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need to hear more than a minute. <laughs> we can talk off screen because okay, I'm, all right. I'm fully willing to talk with, with, talk with you about my ideas of the Legend of Korra spirits. No. But uh, for if knowing us, we're gonna be more than a minute. That's pro. It it is. It is probably gonna be more than a minute. I mean, these people. They they these people know by now. They know what we're about. Yeah. But if you want to see more about what we're about, or at least more about what I'm about, well, no. If you want to see more, what we're about. You can follow Drew at his socials that he just mentioned, or you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok at backissuebins when I'm not there. I'm cranking out stuff over at Screen Rant, you know. Hey, you wanna you wanna read about what's up with the this the Queen of the Hulks and her just most devastating power? Why don't you go take a gander? You wanna read about you know the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the Power Rangers teaming up? Oh, that's a good one. Well, well, I wrote about it. I I get paid per view, everybody. So why don't you go on over there and take a gander? But when you're done taking a gander at our personal little projects. Why don't you head on over to the Patreon for the Nerds Talk Movies, Nerd Stash, you know, Nerd Nerd uh, Nerd Stash Presents, Longbox Hunters, Powerpoint Game. Just our in general Nerd Stash Network Patreon, you know? Because here's the thing, people. We're producing this content out of the goodness of our hearts. Because we like it. We like talking to each other. We like talking to you, the fans, even if you're not necessarily talking back, because you're not on the Discord server uh, that's on this call right now. But we could, you know, use a little, not necessarily incentive. I'm not like, hey, come on, you know, fork over the dough. But, you know, if you like what you've listened to, if you want to fork over a buck, you know, just toss some change our way. Like, come on. We're not going to complain. 
nothing that we're putting out is going to be behind a paywall. We don't want that to change. We still want to give people the content we're putting out, you know, so that they can access it at their leisure. But you'll get some cool behind-the-scenes stuff. You'll get the opportunity to vote on things that, you know, we'll be discussing across our various podcasts. It's a really cool opportunity. So go on over to the Patreon, give it a gander. And when you're done with that, you can then hop in our Discord server, okay, the Nerd Stash Network Discord server, where, if you're lucky, maybe then you can hop on a call with us and you can talk about, you know, why the current Amazing Spider-Man run is disappointing or something. I don't know. It depends on the day. But the Discord server is full of some great, fun, nerdy folks willing to talk about just about anything, you know, anything geeky. You got memes, you got movies, you got, you know, video games. All that jazz we are down to discuss. So, with all that said, consider leaving us a positive rating on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Links for our Patreon and Discord will also be in the description of this episode. So, check that out. Drew, is there anything you want to say to our listeners before we just peace out? Cherish the moments you have with people around you. You never know when things might change. You never know. Have a good one, everybody.